and welcome back to Happy Porch Radio, Season 5. This season we're focusing on digital solutions in the circular economy. Today, Barry and I are joined by Stephen Clark. Stephen is the Head of Communications for TerraCycle and Loop Europe. TerraCycle is a global leader in the collection and repurposing of otherwise non-recyclable waste. And they recently launched a new e-commerce platform called Loop that will enable customers to shop for some of their favorite brands in durable, reusable packaging. And it seems to me like Loop is spreading very quickly. Last year they launched in the US and this year they launched in the UK. This was one of those conversations, Barry, that I could have just kept talking for about an hour, I think, and still not necessarily covered everything that I wanted to learn from Stephen. Yeah, I agree. There's so much going on. I mean, setting aside even the TerraCycle, the recycling part of that business, and just talking about Loop is, is an amazing, complex and very interesting conversation. As you said, they're attempting to do a change at scale, should be geographically across multiple countries where they're looking to roll out, but then also working with big retail, like the big supermarkets in the UK, it's Tesco. Yeah. So I think that is really interesting for me. Yeah, and I think another something that I really appreciate about our conversation with Stephen, which we've noticed in other episodes in season five, is that idea of we noticed that there's an issue here. This isn't necessarily our core business trajectory that we thought it would be at the beginning and we don't see ourselves as online retailers but there's a hole here and we want to fill it so we're going to do everything we can to get that ball rolling and Stephen even mentions you know maybe in the future TerraCycle will actually step back and and other brands will kind of fill more of the e-commerce role that they are now fulfilling but for now this was what needed to be done so we did it and I think that's a really kind of exciting way to go about business. Yeah, I 100% agree. And while not taking away from the fact that TerraCycle and Loop is a business, <laughs> we're looking to build a large-scale business and are a large-scale business, they are also very much driven by the goal. And as you said, they started off with recycling, or they do recycling. And then as they've realized, or as they've had an opportunity to move to, well, let's also look to reduce waste, hence recycle, mm-hmm. re- the reuse and loop. And I think Stephen described that really well. Yeah. It was a really interesting conversation. I hope everyone enjoys it as much as I did. And so without any further ado, let's meet Stephen. I'm Stephen Clark. I'm the Head of Communications at TerraCycle and Loop Europe. TerraCycle's mission is to eliminate the idea of waste, which is a very big goal, I know. We kind of do this in two two main ways. So TerraCycle recycles previously non-recyclable waste in 21 markets around the world and also loop which is a fairly new venture of ours which is a zero waste shopping platform so we're focusing on refill and reuse so there is no need to to then recycle materials at the end awesome and welcome to the show i'm really excited about this conversation TerraCycle obviously is a huge thing and a huge conversation but this episode what we want to do is focus on loop so I think it makes sense to start as much as we can at the beginning (laughs) and kind of maybe you could share a little bit about where Loop came from, the genesis, and how that grew out of the work that TerraCycle, or the mission that TerraCycle has. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're sort of seen as experts in recycling the non-recyclable. So we, we find ways, and the main way we do that is we make the economics work for a waste stream. So whilst anything can technically be recycled, 
it generally isn't because of, of the cost issue. So if something is, it costs less to collect, separate and recycle the resulting recycled material, it's not collected and recycled. So we partner with brands to make the shortfall in the economics work. So we've been doing this since 2001 now. We're in 21 markets around the world. But we came to the realization, and, and particularly our founder and CEO, Tom Zaki, who kind of came up with the TerraCycle concept, that whilst recycling is vitally important, on its own, it's not going to be enough. And the real reason for that is the unintended consequences of single-use packaging. So it's kind of created, along with consumerism, a bit of a worldwide waste crisis. So most products are designed for one single use, and then they're, they're disposed at the end of it. Quite shocking statistic, 99% of the things we buy are actually thrown away within 12 months. And it takes quite, quite a lot of effort to kind of collect, separate, and, and recycle it. So most things actually don't get recycled. So only 9% of the global production of plastic is actually recycled. The rest of it goes into landfills or is incinerated. So, and it's kind of crazy when you think about it, you use it for a very short period and then you burn it. Think about all the resources that, that it took to make it. Oil that you then refine into plastic, you produce it into something, consumer uses it very quickly and then you either bury it or we burn it. So while recycling is very important, like I said, it's not going to solve the major problem that we have. And that major problem is due to the throwaway culture. So put simply, we, we kind of realized that, and particularly Tom Zaki, our CEO, we have to change the way we consume. And so that's where the loop concept came from. I mean, we already work with some of the, the majority of the biggest FMCG, or fast-moving consumer goods conglomerates around the world. We're working with the likes of P&G, with Unilever, with Mondelez, with Nestle. We're working with all these brands already on the recycling side. And so that gave us the opportunity to pitch the idea of, um, of refill and reuse and a zero-waste concept. And so that's how we've managed to get the buy-in of, of some really big, important brands who sell at mass scale onto the platform that we've, um, that we've now launched in the UK this year, in July, and in France and the US in May 2019. So shall I explain a little bit about how Loop works? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'd like to go back a little bit as well and talk about some of the numbers and things you've, and the problem you've described there. But I think it does make sense to be really clear about exactly what Loop is and what it does. Okay. Well, what we've set up to begin with is the pilot phase. And this is what we launched in the UK in July 2020, and it launched in France and in the US in, in 2019, where we, in essence, have set up ourselves as a retailer. Now, we're a waste management company. So in, in the long term, we've got no illusions to be to be a retailer. But if you can imagine, when you're trying to move retailers and brands from a, um, a single-use supply chain to a reusable, refillable supply chain, you kind of want to make sure you've got it right before you take it to a mass scale. So to get the learnings and consumers, if you think about it, are very different in the UK to how they are in France and how they are in the US. So they're kind of unique in each market. We kind of need the learning. So we've set up our own e-commerce platform to begin with. So in the UK, we've now launched loopstore.co.uk. If you go onto that platform, you'll see there's about 170 different lines of products that are available in rather than single-use disposable plastic. They come in eminently reusable, refillable containers that are durable and can be used many, many times again. So you'll get things in glass, you'll get things in aluminium, you'll get things in, in steel and a host of other more, more durable materials. The consumer orders the products that they want, but you pay a deposit on each one. And this is the important thing. So it shifts the ownership of the product from the consumer. So when you buy a single-use product, you own that packet. You probably don't want it. You just want the contents in it, but you own that packet. It shifts the ownership back to either the retailer or the brand. And so it's then in their interest to make that as reusable as many times as possible to make the economies of scale better for them. So it costs more to make that packaging, but if you're going to use it multiple times, 
it's eminently better for the environment because you're then not having to create new plastic every time you create a product. So on the UK platform, and I'll talk mainly about the UK one because it's the most recent one we've launched and it's one of the ones I work on, you can order a whole host of things, branded products like Heinz ketchup, like Coca-Cola, like Danone yogurt, like Ecova uh, washing up liquid, like molten brown hand soap, Ren Clean skincare moisturizers, and also some sort of smaller, newer brands like Jackpot peanut butter, like Noise, which is a new launch for the UK market. It's a French organic toothpaste gel. And then there's a whole host of other products that are either live or are coming soon. I can't mention some of the branded names yet, but there's also our own private label range. So there's more products for people to be able to order so they can kind of pretty much mimic their normal usual weekly shop we've got a whole host of things like cleaning products like pasta rice like herbs and spices like oils and then over time as more branded lines come onto the platform some of those private label ones will will go so your delivery comes in what we call the reusable loop tote this is a padded sort of delivery bag as it were that all your products are stored safely in so they can be delivered without breaking the bag folds up so it takes up less space in the home and then rather than use things like bubble wrap, we've kind of created new new ways to keep things from, from breaking within there that are reused. And so once the bag comes back, once you finish with your products, as well as the products, we will clean the bag and the products. And if there is anything like, there is a small amount of single-use plastic. So if you can imagine the consumer wants their product to arrive safely, that you know no one's tampered with it. So there is a tamper seal. Some of the products like the biscuit containers, which are steel, will have a small layer of plastic at the top, just so you know no one else has kind of interfered with it. You pop your tamper seal and you pop any bits of plastic like that back into the tote when you send your products back. And TerraCycle, which is our other business, will recycle those as part of the platform. Like I said, you pay a deposit. So imagine this month I've ordered, I don't know, let's say I've ordered shampoo, I've ordered toothpaste, I've ordered some ketchup, I've ordered a well-known fizzy drink. And then at the end of that period, I'm going to send it all back. And I've decided I want to keep three out of the four products, but the fourth one, I'm not going to reorder. In that case, TerraCycle and Loop hold on to your deposit for the three things you've now reordered because you've got another version. On the one that you've now sent back and not reordered, you get your deposit returned to you because you're no longer using it. So that's the beauty of the system. And that's how it's a massive upgrade for the environment. So this phase is, is like I said, this is phase one. This is the pilot. So it's been going in the UK now a couple of months, going very well. Consumers have really taken to it. We've had lots of visits to the site, lots of registration, and orders are very good. So the next phase will be, and Tesco is our retail partner for the UK, it will go into Tesco stores. And to begin with, it'll probably be a, a relatively small number, and then it'll be scaled up over time. And then in those Tesco stores, you'll get what will be known as a loop end aisle. So there'll be sections of the store that you can kind of go and pick up your favorite products. And that'll be not only branded products like I mentioned earlier, but also there'll be some of Tesco's own private label products in reusable, refillable packaging. And it will work exactly the same. You'll go and pick up your loop items from the Tesco store and you'll go and pick up your non-loop items, whichever ones you want. You go and pay for it. You pay a deposit on the loop ones. And then once you finish with it, you'll either be able to drop them back to the Tesco store or you'll be able to drop them back to a number of other locations at, at the same time. It will also, over time, then be embedded into the Tesco e-commerce platform. So then when you're ordering your products from Tesco, you'll be able to order loop products and non-loop products. And so it will then come with the Tesco courier service. And then also you'll be able to, in theory, and we haven't quite got to this point down the line yet, when the driver is dropping off your, your delivery, he'll be able to take away your empties at the same time. We see Loop very much as an engine almost for reuse. It could be incorporated into various different retailers. So while Tesco is the first one, we very much don't see it as being the last one. 
There was also an interesting announcement made last week by McDonald's. McDonald's are partnering with us and they're going to run their own pilot next year in a number of McDonald's restaurants for reusable coffee cups. And so the way we, we see it, the bigger an ecosystem we have for reuse and refill. So imagine if you could buy your coffee in McDonald's and then drop that reusable coffee cup back to Tesco to get your deposit. Or imagine you buy your shopping via Tesco's e-com or you buy it in a Tesco store and you happen to be going to McDonald's for something to eat the next week, you could drop your empty grocery Tesco containers back to the McDonald's store. And this is where we're going to be using things like smart bins. So in the different locations that are going to be participating with us, you'll be able to drop your products back. So the products will have kind of a barcode on them. So we know who it's coming back from and then who should get the deposit back. Mm. Wow, that's going to be like a whole network of a whole system of depositing and buying products all within the loop. That's really cool. That's the plan because for (laughs) us, what we have to do is we have to replicate the convenience of single-use disposability. The reason that's got so big and so popular across the world is because consumers like it, consumers want it, consumers have become used to it. For reuse and refill to be successful over time, we need to, to make it as accessible for the consumer as possible. And that's why we want multiple different routes, channels and retailers that are all part of it. So it's very easy for the consumer just to drop it back to a variety of different places. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's a lot there that I want to dive into that you've already mentioned. But I'd like to start, I think, with said right at the beginning in terms of this idea of reuse versus recycling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned that TerraCycle is known for recycling products that seem unrecyclable. And that now with Loop, it's based on the understanding that recycling alone isn't going to solve the plastic pollution problem that we have. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that products are made from kind of more durable materials and there's probably an increased amount of material there that's being used. So how many times exactly does a product have to be reused in order to justify that kind of sturdier product? Sure. For a brand and a product to join Loop, we do testing on it. We give them guidelines on on what they should be doing. And it has to be accepted by us to come onto the platform. It has to be able to be able to be reused a minimum of 10 times, but we're hoping anywhere up to 800, depending on the material. And so we've done our own life cycle analysis of the system. A reusable bottle in the Loop model has the same impact as a product sold in a traditional disposable packaging at a, at a physical retail location at two cycles. And at five cycles, so you use the same container five times, Loop saves 50% of the environmental impacts, which is is, is basically measured on carbon. Yeah. And obviously, the more times you reuse that, the higher the impact and the benefit for the environment gets. Mm. So what are some of the examples of the things that are harder to reuse? You mentioned some of the materials already, like aluminium and glass bottles for things. Which presumably glass, I've <laughs> this is a guess, but presumably glass is quite easy to clean and, and reuse several times. Exactly. So yeah, what are the examples of the kind of things that are being used maybe 10 times, but some of the things that are also being used like 800 times? I mean, there are some heavy duty plastic. So plastics is often vilified as the villain. Plastics is a very useful material. It's just the way we as a society have, have kind of come to use it. Quite a lot of the, of the products that are live via loop at the moment in the, in the packaging is actually in traditional glass. 
and glass is a, is, is a fantastic material. You can recycle glass, you know, infinitely. You can keep going and going and going. The reason we as a society have stopped using glass so much is because of the weight. You can transport yeah. more things in plastic than the glass equivalent. And glass is also heavier. So um, it costs more to transport glass often than it does to transport plastic. But yeah, lots of the companies at the moment are using glass, are using aluminium, are using steel. And what we encourage the brands to do is, is kind of look at the function of the product, not just what is it going to be housed in. Can you embed additional functionality into it? So it's not available here in the UK at the moment, but haagen created a pack that's available in the US that keeps your ice cream cold in transit and it keeps your ice cream cold for longer out of the freezer, which, mm. which is quite a cool concept. The packaging also looks really funky as well. So if, if you just Google haagen loop, you'll see it. And lots of people have posted stuff on social media about how cool this product looks. So that is an example of, of the kind of thing that, that we love when the brands go ahead, go ahead and do. But yeah, I mean, I think it really depends. The more times a material can be reused or a container can be reused, the, the better it is for the environment. And importantly, at the end of the life cycle, because eventually, and it's up to the brands at what point the containers come out of circulation, if they get a little bit scratched or, or maybe a little bit bashed up over time, it's up to the brand when they're taken out of circulation. At that point, all the materials are very easy to recycle and that material that's reclaimed can be used in the next development of the containers that the brand would use. Yeah, that's an interesting point you make about plastic, that it is usually seen as kind of this villain material, given that it is made from oil. I think that's probably one of the reasons that it's seen as kind of a worst case scenario. But obviously, sometimes the most sustainable way to package a product is just in the most durable packaging, because then it can be used multiple times, as you mentioned. In terms of the redesigning of packaging, you mentioned that the companies themselves are redesigning. So is it the companies that are doing the redesigning? Are they working with Loop to do that? How does that play into the process? The companies do the redesigning themselves. We have directed some brands on companies we know in, in the sector. Most big brands, and, and these are you know the majority of the brands that we're talking about here, have the capability in-house. So they're given guidelines by mm. us on what they need to do to be accepted onto the platform. And then they present the, the packaging back to us for approval. And then okay. we obviously do testing on it to work out if it, if it meets all the requirements before it's accepted. Yeah. And then the cleaning process, which is done by Loop, presumably that in itself is in some way energy intensive, is it? It depends on what the contents were of the packaging and what the packaging is made of. So we partner with a company called Ecolab, who are kind of the, the gold seal of, of the cleaning industry. And so that facility is embedded into our, our warehouse facility in, in the UK, for example. So what happens once all of the packaging comes back, we need a minimum volume before we'll clean anything. You know, we're not going to clean each individual one just so it's kind of more, more efficient. And it's a full clean room facility. So between each cleaning process, the vents are cleaned out, the pipes are cleaned. It depends on water and chemistry, depending on what package and what the, what the contents have been. The most important aspect of the cleaning facility, though, is the drying. Because if you leave any residual moisture, then you can have things like mold. Mm. So it's a really stringent process. And if you can imagine, we're also working with some of the biggest brands in the world who validate everything. They want to come and inspect everything. Mm. They will make sure before anything can be cleaned via this new system that they're, you know, 100% happy to the kind of the way the way it works. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, especially in terms of, you know, this is food packaging, so it really does have to be hygiene perfect. <laughs> yeah. And is there a kind of balance there to be played in terms of 
yeah, it seems to me that that's kind of the friction point of, of why single-use plastics has been used so much in in food produce, because that is extremely hygienic if you're just not using the same brand new plastic that's being put around any new product. Yeah. So then the balance is how do we make this more sustainable and less wasteful whilst maintaining the hygiene and that duty of care towards our actual customers? Mm. Well, I mean, if, if you think about it, the process we go through to clean all the containers, it's not like using your dishwasher at home. It's a full clean room laboratory system. It's the, the A standard of, of hygienic cleaning. Mm. There isn't a better system out there than this at the moment. When you look at the comparison between single-use disposable and reuse, the, the cleaning is one area people people will focus on. It's what is the, the impact of the cleaning? What is the impact of the, of the transport to deliver products yeah. or for, to get the products back? That is a very small impact. The biggest impact on the environment is creating new packaging each time or then melting down that packaging and creating more packaging from it. It's much better for the environment to clean and to refill and reuse multiple times again and again and again than it is every time to create a brand new pack. Yeah, great. And in that high-tech cleaning environment, it's uh, guaranteed to be spotless every time, top of the range. It is, yeah, if you can imagine. And during the COVID pandemic, there's been a whole debate and and many coffee shops, for example, stopped people bringing in their own their own reusable cup yeah it's not like there's the room for human error in a coffee shop you know like you take your coffee your coffee cup in there you hand it over to the barista he then does multiple things with it touches it in multiple points he doesn't know whether your cup is clean in the first place he certainly doesn't wash your kind of cup out it comes back to you so there's multiple ways that that could be an unsafe experience whereas on this it's used by the consumer it comes back there's some dwell time before it's cleaned it's then cleaned in a full laboratory clean room system with multiple checks, all the processes on the way through. So there isn't the room for error like there is with a coffee mm. shop, for example. So it's a very, very different system. When you go to the dentist, for example, how many times do you think that the tools that the dentist uses in your mouth have been used? Yeah, it's I've never really thought about it, but I guess they yeah. go in everyone's mouth. But you never question it. Yeah. These are heavy-duty pieces of equipment. Mm. They're industrially cleaned, and then they're reused multiple times again and again and again. It's not like they use it once and they throw it away. They're cleaned yeah. and they're reused. And it's exactly the same to this. So we're kind of used to reuse without even thinking about it in a lot of, a lot of mm. occasions. And that's the thing. It's all about the process that you use to clean and sanitize. Yeah. And that's how it used to be. You know, we didn't always have single-use plastics. And the milkman used to come every day and pick up your old bottles and give you new milk and then reuse those milk bottles. So it's not something that we've never heard of before. It's kind of almost a harking back to an older system. Funnily enough, we often describe Loop as the milkman reinvented, but for everything. <laughs> so that's partly where the inspiration from the system came from. It's like, let's go back to what used to happen. The milkman in the UK in particular kind of died out in popularity over the years it's now making a re-emergence you know i've read stories during the last few months of what's been going on around the world where home delivery systems with reuse like that are graining popularity but yeah that's what we want loop to be we we want people to think of it as we've learned from a really successful old system but we've reinvented it slightly and we've made it more palatable for today's needs and the big point about it is convenience one of the things you said earlier Stephen 
stood out for me was when you were describing the the ownership part. So the container or the plastic or whatever whatever it's made from in a single use scenario, the consumer buys that and then it becomes theirs and it becomes their problem. <laughs> That's sort of standing over the recycling, wondering what to do with this, or not knowing if it is going to get recycled when it goes off and you've been to your local council. And so the brand or the retailer owning that, as you said, aligns their uh, commercial imperative with the environmental benefits, as in it's now in their interests and almost requirement to make sure that that thing is used as much as possible in order to, in order to be viable, which is, I guess, one of the key tenets of the circular economy. But do you find, and it's really interesting that you you also said that starting from TerraCycle's existing connections and network and reputation, you were able to go and have these conversations with, with brands and retailers. But have you found that there's a a real appetite within those companies, those businesses, for for this? Or is it a case of kind of really pushing uphill? There is an appetite. But like I said, people want to almost dip their toe in a little bit, I think is probably the way to look at it. People want to test the system. They want to see how consumers react to it. You know, what are consumers like? What are consumers not like? Because to move from a single-use disposable supply chain to a reusable, refillable supply chain is, is quite a move. So people want to test the results, and that's exactly what we're doing. And the results are very encouraging, you know, in all the markets we're in, but particularly in the UK. The UK, our launch was pushed back a little bit. We were supposed to launch in March, but it was right at the start of the lockdown. So we made the decision. It wasn't quite the right timing. We launched in July. We've had really good interest from consumers. One is, seems to like the concept, and that's kind of great great for us to hear but it's also great around the world because in the markets we're also not in at the moment there's real demand for people registering on our sites you know even in different countries than where we're live saying when you come into our market we want you in our market so the future looks very promising but yeah i think it's only understandable that businesses will want to test the system before they go to a bigger scale and that's what we're looking to do to make a real impact we need the scale and that's where the likes of a tesco comes in yeah. And to get that proof and to have that story, it takes somebody like yourselves, like, like a company that is looking to make that change. I kind of, I want to use the term mission again. I guess my question is, I'm assuming that there is, this is definitely a kind of, it's a cause, it's a mission, it's a purpose. It's not just another business for you. No, well, I mean, Tom Zaki founded the company to make an impact on waste. We've been doing it now since 2001. In multiple markets, we launched here in the UK in uh, in 2009, and this for us is a logical step because while recycling is still important, like I said, something else needs to needs to help to make the big impact that we need for the change. And the change is the way we consume. We really have to impact the way we consume. And for us, the biggest way to do that is to do refill on a mass scale. Yeah, yeah. So. Let's talk a little bit about that future stage. We've talked about the existing things and the challenges and what's happening right now, but you've described the stage of having refill smart bins in stores and integrating with their own e-commerce systems and so on. Is that something that is laid out in a very clear, we know what we're going to do, or is it how much of that is still exploratory and inventing kind of as you go? It's happening now. There will be, um, there'll be a loop app that you can use on your phone that, that's being developed the first smart bins will be available in uh, in Carrefour stores in France. That'll be a bit later this year. But yeah, I mean, we're we're working currently with Tesco about what their in-store 
interpretation of Loop will be next year. So we know there'll be smart bins at a number of different locations, including either inside the stores or or sometimes they might be outside the stores. But yeah, that's all kind of being worked on now between our team and, uh, and the TerraCycle team and the Car4 team the Kroger and Walgreens teams in the US. And then even before we've launched the systems, work is going on in the other markets. So I mentioned Canada with Loblaws, Woolworths with for Australia and Aon in Japan. So yeah, lots of work goes on in the background. We don't just launch on day one and it all happens then. It's been happening for quite some time. And what's the, beyond that, what's the vision? Is the vision to get to the point where you've mentioned already like kind of this mass scale change, but does that mean kind of, getting to the point where loop isn't needed because everybody this is just the way things are done i think you're always going to you'll still need within this system you'll need somebody who professionally cleans the system the containers and that's what loop is so i said to you for now we've set ourselves up in the short term as a retailer to help us get to the scale stage within the lights of tesco then at that point we would move back to being a waste management company some of the stuff will be recycled like i mentioned the tamper seals it's a small amount the bigger job is then on the cleaning side. And that's what we see the future of waste management being in terms of you know cleaning rather than so much on the recycling. If we can get enough people using the refillable containers, then the future becomes cleaning rather than recycling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is something I think companies like Loop and TerraCycle are leading way, like it's kind of creating a vision. And I think that's something that's been a real theme through this season of the podcast with us. So you're starting off with that, well, do we do waste and we're trying to reduce waste? And then that leads to we're needing to do reuse. But in order to do that, you kind of then have to go, well, now we need to do retail and we need to have these multiple areas of, you know, advising people about brands on how to design products and, and reusable containers, dealing with the logistics and returns and bins and, and everything. There's so There's so many moving pieces there that I wonder... Do you see that as a kind of, this is just the processes we need to go through, or is it more kind of, this is why we're doing it? There's a kind of the journey versus the destination, if that makes sense. I think it's both. I mean, everybody has a part to play. Consumers have a part to play in in kind of what they buy and what they support. And the, the more people that do that, the more brands will need to incorporate, because the brands that don't incorporate and the retailers that don't give the options that the consumers want are the ones that are going to be left behind for us. Everything that we believe in. So on the TerraCycle side, we recycle things. Nothing gets landfill, nothing gets incinerated. And there is always a way to recycle some things. It's just about making the economics work. On the loop side of things and refill, for us, it's a logical evolution. So recycling still needs to happen. We're not saying let's all stop recycling. We still need to recycle and we need to recycle more. That's an important thing. But the more reuse and refill and durability is happening, the less single-use disposable is going to be going on in the background. And that will make things so much easier and so much better on a, on a grander scale. But I think everybody needs to look at, I think we're at that critical point where everybody needs to think about what they're doing, whether it's an individual or a business or a, or a retailer. Now is the time for action. Now is the time for action. That was a great rallying cry. <laughs> you mentioned in terms of working globally and looking ahead, there's other countries that are kind of going to be other brands in other countries that are going to be partnering with Loop, which is very exciting. In terms of kind of expanding really globally, do you think that this model is also workable in developing countries? I think a lot of the ones you mentioned were kind of North America and Europe based, right? 
And the countries we're focusing on now are mainly countries where we already have a successful business on the recycling side, because that helps us on on one element Mm. as well. And we already work with multiple brands in those countries. We know the retailers, we have logistics that are operational there, etc., which helps in a big way. I think developing countries are harder. And developing countries are even harder for us on the on the TerraCycle side of things. In a developing country, there often is no waste management infrastructure. So it, it's hard. TerraCycle on the recycling side, we don't own the recycling equipment in the countries we operate in. We work out the process. We subcontract to big recycling companies in those markets who do it for us. Recycling equipment is very expensive. And so if the price of oil changes, it can often put recycling businesses out of business. So for us, it's hard. In developing countries, we actually have have launched something in the last year called the TerraCycle Global Foundation, where we're looking to work in countries with no waste management infrastructure or system to do exactly that. So we work in Thailand at the moment where we're getting plastics out out of rivers before it kind of gets to the ocean. And there's plans for us to launch into India where we're going to work with local waste pickers. So in India, where there's no traditional recycling system, there's almost like an unofficial system where people will go through the waste, take out things with value. Once those people have done that, there'll be another set of people who will come and be looking for different types of waste. But we're trying to do something on a more organized scale that that kind of helps these people with this system. So developing countries is a harder one because one, you've got different routes to market, you've got different types of retail and and e-commerce isn't as prevalent as well. So for now, they're not markets that Loop is focusing on. But yeah, you know, over time, who knows where it could go? Yeah, there is so much. I often say this, but I think this is more true now than in, in some of our other episodes. There is so much depth there and so many different things to talk about and you've both TerraCycle and Loop are involved in. But unfortunately, as we run out of time for this episode, There is one theme or one thing that I wanted to kind of call out, I guess. One of the reasons for doing this podcast is to have these kinds of conversations and to kind of show how those of us who work in the digital, web, design, software, technology, all of those things, to show how, I guess, how important our role is in all of this. And although we haven't explicitly talked about it there, Stephen, there's all of the things that you're talking about are, have involved in everything from the e-commerce site to physical devices of the smart bins to the app to the way you must be tracking things um, to the data analysis to the design of products and the physical design, including the sort of, I guess, the more marketing and PR and social media side. So I just wanted to call that out and for me to make that really clear that that's why we're having these conversations within this podcast. And I really appreciate you joining our conversation today and kind of sharing that and allowing us that little insight into the many multiple different facets of what um, TerraCycle and what Loop are doing. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks. So just finally, for those who want to maybe find out more and perhaps work out how either they get involved, either as a consumer or as a brand or as a business, where should they go? For Loop, I would go first to um, loopstore.co.uk. That's the UK website or there's loopstore.com, which is for the US one. Ma Boutique Loop is the French one. But if you if you just go to loopstore.co.uk, you can then click on the other markets we're live in if, if you were interested in those. So you could click through on the little US flag to go to the US or you could click on the French flag to go to the French site. On the TerraCycle side, you can go to terracycle.com no matter where you are. And then from there, TerraCycle is T-E-R-R-A and then cycle. You can click through to whichever country you want. If you want to go the quick way to the UK, if you're listening in the UK, for example, you go terracycle.co.uk. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much. As usual, we'll put all those links and as much as we can from all the things we've mentioned into the show notes on happyporchradio.com. Stephen, it sounds like what the work you're doing is amazing. And, and I always like to sort of make it really clear that businesses and people like yourself who are leading the way in this, I think are really important and we should all be <laughs> cheering and supporting and celebrating the work that you're doing. So thank you very much. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Bye-bye. You can find notes and links from this episode, plus a full transcript at happyporchradio.com. If you are enjoying the show, please take a moment to give us a positive review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening to Happy Porch Radio.